0: Today we're talking about friendships. Do you have enough? Welcome to Run With Horses. My name's Norman.
1: Hi, I'm Susan.
0: And our goal is to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus. And today, hopefully encourage you to develop a new friend. So, how are you doing at developing friendships?
1: Hmm. Good question. But I have a problem because I don't know how you define friends. Like, I have some friends that are... You know, I've gone the distance of 30, 40 years that I feel like I could tell to tell them anything. And there's others who are just more of acquaintances, but they probably would help me out if I needed to. I mean, what is a friend?
0: That's a good question. I know when we were talking about friendships in our last couple of shows, the the big thing that started all this is I saw several reports and heard people talking about, particularly men, not having very many friends, and it goes back to I think Gallup polls in the maybe the fifties or eighties I think back in the fifties, where men had eight or nine friends, close friends, and then over time that has declined, where men today would say they have none or one a, a significant percentage of men say twenty five percent have none or one, and men are just not connecting closely. So they have people they work with, and they have people they might do sports with. But when you have a major problem, you don't have somebody to talk to. You don't have somebody you feel like you can really be open and honest with and share your burdens, your needs. And our culture, in the past at least, has in- discouraged men from being open about having any needs or, or having any feelings. And
2: mm-hmm. I think
0: that's contributed maybe to the decline of friendships too and then I talked about a little bit about social media in general I think has hurt friendships at large but when we're thinking about friendships I think it's not those acquaintances it's not people that you know that that are helpful and generally if they can help you without a lot of hurt on their part they will I think we we have we need that kind of person too but what we're really talking about is that that heart-to-heart friend who's Who's going to sacrifice to help you to grow to be the right person? Who they're going to have the hard conversations? Where a lot of acquaintances, they're going to go, well, you know, it's not really my, my place to say that to that person. They're going to help you mm-hmm. when it makes them feel good to help another person, and it's, it's easy. But they're not going to stick with you when it's really going to cost them. So I think we're looking at that that close level of friendship.
1: Yeah, I think when you define it like that, I'm not sure how many of those kind of friends I have. I mean, or how many I am that kind of friend, too, even. Because, yeah, it's often you look at people that you feel like you're sort of close to, but if they have some kind of character flaw or, you know, a place where you obviously could see they could grow, I don't always feel like, oh, I should point this out. Or mm-hmm. you're afraid to hurt the relationship if you do, because that could break it, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and I think that close friend are the ones where, it, the relationship is challenged at times <clears throat> by things like that. You know, there is uh, a tension between you know you need to we need to have this discussion, but it's it's not an easy one, And I think the true friends are the ones that go, well, it's it's best for you, and the friendship can handle it. And it's having those discussions and still being friends is part of what makes people that kind of closer friend. Mm-hmm. So when one or both run from those, you've kind of set the limits of that relationship. But when you have those and stay friends, then you've, you've gone to another level. Mm-hmm. So that is part of the sign of that kind of closer. So I know I've had friends that um, have come to me to share something where they're kind of nervous about saying something hard to me, but they feel like they're the person that needs to, and then I respect them for that mm-hmm. because a lot of people just would, would not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I appreciate that, and that, that does help our relationship or the same thing. And then that also opens the door then for me to speak into their life or vice versa. If I speak to somebody and they um, receive it well or receive it poorly and then come back later and and are thankful and, and appreciate that, then that again helps to go to another level of the relationship. So hard conversations are definitely a, an important part of
2: mm-hmm.
0: building and maintaining those healthy friendships. So why do you think it's so hard for us in general to have those?
1: Well, I can only speak from my own perspective, I guess, other than guessing about other people. But I think part of my struggle is I'm too independent. I don't want to have to rely on anybody else. And I don't like putting people out. So even if I had a need, I'm hesitant to share that with other people. and sometimes i don't even think about hey this person could help or i just think how can i fix this problem or god help me fix this problem and i don't really look to people to answer those needs Um, i don't know if that's just my makeup or
0: well that is part of and that's part of my makeup too but that's a little bit different um looking for help when you have a need is different than having a friend who's so close that they know when you have a need
1: yeah that's true
0: And I think sometimes we we do consider, well, I need to fix my own problems. And I think a lot of people are that way. And combine that with not having the friends who are close enough to recognize that they have problems.
1: Yeah, I think we're all just basically selfish, and we talk about our stuff, but we're not really concerned about the other person, and that's part of knowing their needs. Or if the person is just always needy, then you're just like, ah, this again, you know, so then it's hard to have a balance, I guess, between their needs and your needs and trying to, I don't know, I guess to have that level of friendship you just really have to spend a lot of time with the other person and i don't really like hanging out with other people so (laughs) that's part of my problem too i mean if i have one good friend and he's right there of course if i have a problem with you that might be a problem then i don't have anybody to talk to but um (laughs) you know if i have one good friend i feel like okay i'm good
0: (laughs) yeah i think that that is that is part of it if you have a good friend then you don't feel the lack It's the people who don't have any. But Mm -hmm. in general, and I I quoted um, some research that had been done, people who have more good friends, say seven or eight, who are in their inner circle, so to speak, um, they in general feel more satisfied with their their friendships and their network of friends than people who have fewer. And some of that's going to be personality. So somebody like you say, well, I'm happy with one or two, so you're going to, report high level of satisfaction with your friendships if you have one or two where a lot of people would feel like well I don't really have very many if I only have one or two and they'll be more satisfied if they had a few more so I think personality Mm -hmm. plays a lot into how many friends that you need Mm -hmm. and how many you're comfortable with and also how many you can maintain that's probably different for every person Mm -hmm. um, because it does take some energy to maintain friendships
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I think the concern is the people who, the increasing number of people who say they don't have any friends, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're not meant to go through this world alone, and a lot of people are, unfortunately, they're walking through life, and they do feel like they're alone. And I think that's that's the bigger issue. If it, whether you have one friend or two friends or ten, that's great. Mm-hmm. If you recognize the value and you're, You know, maintaining you're involved in those relationships. It's when you don't feel like it's important, and you're trying to struggle through on your own. I think that's difficult no matter who you are. But personality, I think, is going to play a large part. And I think there's probably a difference between men and women in how they view friendships and how that how the friendships look and work out. And I don't can't say I know a whole lot about maybe how women would do it and how what they would consider a deep level of friendship. But I know a lot of guys. Their conversation might not be as deep consistently, but they've developed a connection and they're going to be there for each other and they it's a more active friendship maybe you'd say I'm not sure how you would re- hmm. describe it
2: yeah.
1: i I think um, based on your context, too, like when we were in Japan, I had a circle of friends that you know I was trying to reach out to to be their friend, and I know they were kind of you know looking out for me too. But now that I'm here, it's like hard to keep connected with them, even though I've tried a little bit. But so that's kind of off in the background now. But maybe if I go back to Japan, we'll pick up where we left off. I don't know. But now that we're here, you know, it's like trying to look for those people that can do that. But um, I don't have a lot of friends that are from way back when. But it's hard to keep up with, like you said, you can only handle so many, especially when they're far away. Well, you
0: mentioned two things. One, you said it takes a lot of time and mm-hmm. that getting to know the other person well enough to know where they're at and how they're doing. So time, and the other one is proximity, is mm-hmm. what you're talking about now. And I think both those are really important. It takes time, and there are people that we may like and would connect well with if they had time, uh, or if we had more time for that specific relationship. Mm-hmm. But because of schedule and busyness, where life is right now, I just, you don't have time to develop that relationship. So mm-hmm. I think that's a an issue that we face sometimes. But the other one is proximity. There are people who we either were good friends with or could be good friends with, but because of proximity, if they're not close enough, then you can't spend that time. And as much as people like to say that <coughs> social media and the internet and all these things can be, uh, allow you to maintain that connection, I really don't think it, it can. Uh, I really think you need time and in the presence of people it can help a little bit when you're you know traveling or occasionally gone mm-hmm. and to fill in some gaps but you have to have a certain amount of time that just in the presence of somebody to really develop a true relationship I think you you can develop a a kind of relationship
2: mm-hmm.
0: through you know zoom and the
2: mm-hmm.
0: internet and all the different kinds of communication you have because just straight communication is part of it and you can communicate through email or text mm-hmm. or phone calls, but it's very different than sitting, you know, beside somebody or sitting across the table from somebody. Yeah. So, so yeah, that idea of holding on to relationships in another country, it is difficult. You can maybe maintain them enough where you could go back to them if you're back in the area, but
2: Mm -hmm. I don't
0: think you can really... I, I think it's a struggle... And most people can't build those. There might be some people who can, but I don't think most people are able to do that very well. Mm-hmm. So, so what are your thoughts? You know, we're, we have recently come back to the United States after being in Japan for a long time, which means both of us are in a new context. And a lot of people in the States these days, you know, you move a lot for work. You are in a new city. You're not by the people you grew up with. So your circle of friends maybe that you knew just because you were around them so much growing up or through work or sports or just neighborhood, you have all that's new. So how do you go about meeting new people and beginning kind of sorting through who are the people that I can be friends with?
1: Well, I think church helps a lot. I mean, just going two or three times a week, every week, see the same people and you are able to, you know, talk, chat, see what's going on in their lives and tell about yours. And, you know, over the long period, you know, several months, you do start getting to know each other and revealing part of who you are. And then, um, you know, hopefully at some point you could take the you know, one or two or three of those relationships a little farther, either go hang out together or have coffee or... And sometimes it's um, a natural um, deepener, like if one of them has a health problem or you know just some kind of need that other people could you know be more intentional about filling, those things could accelerate that process
0: <laughs> so again, it comes back to that time and proximity <clears throat> over time with the same people uh, in the same place, so for for believers the church is the obvious place where you should have close connections I mean there you should be we should be looking for those close connections at church with people that it is our role um, our god-given role we' given gifts to help this group of people uh, be better you know that's what our part of what our spiritual gifts are for is to equip and build up the body of Christ toward maturity so we have uh, an opportunity and in that group of people to intentionally invest and know that this is part of why I'm here. Um, so that's built in for, for believers, but you also have, when we think about outside the church and needing to build contacts in the community, it's the same idea if you have the opportunity for clubs or different kind of networks in your community. If you can spend time with people over over time, being in their, in proximity, then you do have that just because you've seen their face and had enough little conversations, you start to get a feel for them. They get a feel for you. And then the next part is that invitation to something a little more, a little more personal really is what it is. It's a little more time and a little more proximity, a little closer proximity because the group is it's together, but it's it's too big to really develop close Mm -hmm. relationships with 20 or 30 or 50 people. Mm -hmm. So, the next le- level, a lot of times, is and you know, by so somebody over for supper or out for coffee, or you know, guys might go fishing or you know something together, and then you have more time, but it's a more direct and longer term, and like you mentioned, you can a lot of times this process is is sped up by need. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody has a need, and um, either you step in to help fill somebody else, somebody else's need, or somebody really steps up to help fill yours, that builds closeness a lot quicker. You know, it's it's usually more intense. Mm-hmm. Um, just, it really does change the relationship and can speed up that process, I think. But you have to be in the right frame of mind and be aware of the need mm-hmm. and then be ready to step in and do it. I think that's where a lot of times we're not... We don't have enough people who are in that ballpark where we're, mm-hmm. we're aware and and sufficiently prepared to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, part of it is the, trying to put yourself in their shoes and, like, what would I want if I were in that situation? And I've been, um, I don't know, surprised, I guess, by some of the thoughtful Innovative thinking of some of the church people. Like, my mom had a fall and we weren't able to go to church. So, like, one of the ladies said, Hey, we could come bring prayer meeting to your house. I'm like, Well, that was really thoughtful to be able to say, You can't go to church. Why don't we bring the church to you? And, you know, it's just something like that. I wouldn't, I'm not sure I would have thought of that, but that shows that they were thinking enough about what are my needs? What? How could we fill that? And that meant a lot to me. So just even being thoughtful and trying to think what would, what could they need.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like bringing in some of the things we think about with the disciple making. You know, it's to be intentional. And a lot of our relationships, we feel like I shouldn't have to be intentional. It should just happen. But it does help to be intentional and think about other people. You know, how can I be a, a force for good in this person's life? What do they need? And how has God equipped me to feel that and to be intentional in thinking about the people in your life and considering uh, what can I do to make their life uh, easier or better? Uh, and that was a good example of someone who's thinking of a way they can do something. It was not super hard for them, but it is different. It showed that they were thinking about somebody else and they're willing to do something um, outside of their normal uh, to help. So that's mm-hmm. a, good, a good reminder. And
1: maybe a good way to start developing that would be just to have a prayer list of the church people or the people that you're thinking of deepening a friendship with and just pray for them even once a week. And um, so a lot of times as you're praying for them, you're asking God to meet their needs or whatever, he might, God might give you an idea of how they could use some help or what you could do to, um, you know, encourage them or something like that.
0: I know one of the things I've done in the past, and I've, I've sort of started working on here, is a list of the the men that I know in my circles now that I have a certain level of relationship with and see consistently for whatever reason, whether it's church or community or, or work, um, and then begin to do that, begin to write down the things that are going on in their life, you know, write down their kids' names and how many they have and, uh, you know, what they do for a living and, you know, some travel or some are retired or, you know, some have issues with their kids they're working through and they're kind of struggling. So, and begin to pray for those kind of things. And then, you know, when you see them, you're, if you're actually praying through those things and a lot of times you're able to see them and say, hey, how's this going? And that shows them that you're thinking about them like this family that contacted us and, that's wow. I mean, they were thinking about about us, and that that helps build that friendship. So, to do that for someone else, to be praying for them, and let them know, hey, I'm I'm praying for you,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: I have a you know a group of guys that I try to text every uh, every week, and and just ask them, say, hey, I'm I'm praying for you today. Uh, what prayer quest you have? You know, what's going on in your life that I can can be um, just working through with you, and I try to do that. You know, every week for a certain number of people, and that is part of that. You know, I want to be here to help help them, and so some of those relationships I know are really um, have a great potential to grow over time. Just continue to invest in each other's lives because a lot of times that's reciprocal. If I I'm praying for them and they're praying for me, and we're talking through what what mm-hmm. God's doing in our lives, and you know that's a big part of growing together as as Christians who are pursuing Christ likeness and considering you know how God's growing me. Mm-hmm. But so I guess I I have. It's a little bit of a change in direction, maybe for the last little bit here, but so we're back, and you're working as you know caregiver taking care of your mom, and also have Melly at home. So this does take a lot of your time mm-hmm. and attention. So, in this time, how do you see uh, I don't know service ministry, God working in your life? because you do have, because you have a lot of ministry at home, but it is very different than what we've been doing the last 25 years.
1: Right. Um, yeah, actually, I heard a sermon that really helped me this past I don't know, week or two. Um, we were stuck at home, and um, so I listened to our pastor... Steve Abrams at Kiel, a first Baptist at Kiel, and he was speaking on Jesus as he washed the disciples' feet, and it's from John 13. And he talked about how Jesus knows. He um, loves and he washes or washed. Um, and just the fact that, I mean, Jesus knew that it was his hour. And in my life, you know, this is God's timing for us. And we know that's where God's leaving leading us. And uh, said he loved his own until the end. And I'm thinking about, well, my mother, you know, I don't know how long she has on this earth, but I that's my goal. I want to love her to the end. Um, but then... It goes on in John 13 to say that, you know, Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, and yet he still washed his feet. And Jesus knew um, who he was, where he was going to, and he's going back to God. And um, it's kind of your identity, too, um, to know who am I in Christ and to realize this is the role that God has me in. And that does give a measure of, Um, satisfaction and meaning. And then the fact that Jesus, you know, bent and knelt, here's the God of heaven, and he's washing grimy men's feet, which is very disgusting, at least my mother has, you know, as a woman, a little better. But, um, then here, Jesus says, You know, if I'm your Lord and your teacher and I've washed your feet, shouldn't you be doing that? You know, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And he's given us this example. And um, that just really spoke to me that, you know, I want to be humble in my service to my mother. And, you know, not everything's glamorous. And a lot of it nobody else knows. And I'm sure one day she won't even know what I'm doing. But, um, just to maintain that humility and um, the love over the long haul. I think that's what I'm working on. And it's kind of a character building time in my life because you think, oh, it's kind of glamorous to think, oh, I'm going to go help take care of my mom. You know, I'm so wonderful of a person. But when it gets down to the nitty gritty day after day, waking up in the middle of the night or whatever, it's not quite so glamorous and fun. and But knowing that this is what God has for us and, you know, it is a chance for me to grow through this too and to really meet some needs. And I I, I keep thinking of that one quote, which I can't ever quite remember, but it's like, you know, if you're a real servant, if you're treated like one, you know, how you act when you're treated like one. And I've had to face some of that feeling like, oh, I'm a servant and she's treating me like a servant or whatever. But to say, okay, that's all right. I am supposed to be a servant, and that's why I'm here. So, to have the right attitude toward that, that's what I'm really working on right now.
0: So, what's the key to maintaining a good attitude then in that kind of mm. difficult circumstance at times?
1: Well, I think just remembering Jesus' example is a big step, a big part of that. Um, also, just maintaining my own relationship with the Lord through this time, day after day. And um, I mean, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. And I man, I need all of that right now. So as long as I'm connected with Him, I think it will be okay. And I'm just trying to take one day at a time. So
0: Yeah, it does seem like so much of life comes down to, am I pursuing Christ myself and growing? Because if I am, and that fruit is being produced in my life. All of those things are what make me the right person for whatever I'm facing. And it is, you just look at the fruit of the Spirit and there's never a time in your life when you don't need those things. Now, there's never a, a circumstance where you can say, yeah, I don't really need that today. So how do you be the right person for every relationship that you have, for every circumstance that you face? What it ultimately comes down to being a disciple of Jesus first, you know, we often talked about in our uh, internship program, you know, it's, it's most important that you be the right person and God will give you the right thing to do. He'll put you in the right place. We often want to do the right thing and say, well, I want, to, I want to make sure I'm doing the right things. We'll put the emphasis on being the right person because the right person will always do the right thing. You can look for the right thing to do, but be the wrong person to do it. Mm-hmm. You can do the right thing as the wrong person. Um, and I think that's often a problem. We have people who do, they know what the right things to do are, but their heart's in the wrong place. Okay, well, that's not ultimately glorified by God. God uses that, mm-hmm. but His desire for us is that we, at our heart level, are changed and we're the right person. And I think the more like Jesus we are, the more that our natural um Reaction, our natural bent then is to do the right thing. But it comes out of who we are, not out of considering and thinking about all the ramifications and trying to figure out what the right thing to do would be. But it comes from that being like Jesus in our heart is to do the the Father's will and to glorify Him. And the right thing then flows out of us. So my goal is to put the emphasis consistently on being the right person. Mm -hmm. So do you have ways that you're trying to keep your mind in that what uh, have you been able to develop Mm -hmm. habits or things that help you do that because part of what I see at least in your role now it's it's not like a nine-to-five job Mm -hmm. it's inconsistent and you don't know when you're going to have time or energy in it so it's kind of it's like a lot of people's lives you know it's Mm -hmm. it can be chaotic at times so how do you in the middle of chaos plan build the habits that you need to maintain that mindset?
1: Well, um, of course, reading the Bible every day is in my what I'm trying to do, so if I can't do it in the morning like my habit is, then I'll just squeeze it in someplace else. I've also started a notebook where I just, I kind of call it 11 from heaven, and every night before I go to bed, I want to write 11 things that I'm thankful for, or looking back over the day, think what blessings has God brought, and it's so easy to skip and miss all those little blessings, whether it's just nice scenery outside or a way that somebody has filled a need or been thoughtful or something good that's happened. Um, So that's one thing I've started recently. Um, Also, um, I have a, just a note app on my phone and I've written down like different prayer requests for people I want to pray for. So whenever I have just even five minutes when I'm waiting for grandma or, you know, doing something, then I'll just pray for those people. So it kind of keeps me.
0: Great. Well, hopefully
2: this has been encouraging to you. Have a great day and keep running.